need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Today we're going to... Uh, we have a guest named John O'Connor. He wrote a book called Postgate. It's uh, how Watergate uh, was covered up by The Washington Post. So we're going to get into that <clears throat> at the bottom of the hour. and um, But we're going to cover all kinds of topics today. You know, you got this... Uh, East Palestine, uh, you could just smell class action lawsuit all over that, right? They're going to have a town hall tonight. Um, <clears throat> and that's a small town not far from where I grew up. I, I've probably wrestled there in high school. Um, it'd probably be one of the teams. I remember we played East Palestine. But uh, in any case, yeah, it's a small town. And... Um, they vote Republican out there. They're about 70% Republican. And I guess Pete Buttigieg doesn't feel the love for them the same way he would for his woke uh, uh, woke supporters. Um, but <clears throat> that seems to be what's in, what's going on today in play is that the Biden administration doesn't really care about flyover country when there's a natural when there's a emergency or a catastrophe you know when the train axle broke and the trains derailed and there was this chemical that was just highly potent the wrong thing to do more than likely was to burn it off the way they did but that's what they they didn't get their best team in there to know better, to, to know what the right decision was to make. And when they burned this off, they I heard a story yesterday that said it was a, a certain um, bioweapon from World War I that was highly deadly. And it's, it's really, when you burn it off like that, it, it kind of makes that kind of thing. 
And here you have these weird <clears throat> stories coming out. Like, let's take a listen to this story about this this woman and her hens. They they all wound up dead the next morning when she went to, went and went to the coop to tend to them. Listen. So I walked up to the cage, and this this is what I found. Amanda Brashears was going to feed her five hens and rooster this morning when she discovered them all lifeless, practically in the same position, with no signs of a predator entering their enclosure. I'm beyond upset and quite panicked because this they may be just chickens, but they're family. Brashear says her chickens were alive and well yesterday. She believes the smell following the detonation of the train carrying chemicals that derailed in East Palestine is to blame for her bird's sudden death. My video camera footage shows my chickens were perfectly fine before they started this burn. And as soon as they started the burn, my chickens slowed down and they died. If it can do this to chickens in one night, imagine what it's going to do to us in 20 years. So I walked up to the cage. And that's uh, really the chief question. You know, we might be stronger than chickens, but not by that much. You know, what's happening to these chickens? And, and, and it doesn't seem like they're taking it seriously. DeWine, the uh, governor, shows up not in a FEMA jacket like you would see DeSantis. Not, you know, with a hard hat on or whatever, you know, a vest, emergency vest. You know what? You might say that's optics. But when I saw the guy up in a suit and he says, well, we're going to have to get out of here, too, before we get sick. Like, go back to Columbus. I mean, it was out of touch, number one. Number two, it's not just optics. What it's doing is it's a demonstration to let people know that FEMA and scientists and civil engineers are on the ground taking care of business. But it showed no signal for that. And he's just, you could see his facial expressions. And he's like, we're just going to go ahead and, uh, I would recommend uh, bottled water. Well, those people are really poor out there. And not everybody can afford bottled water. Or to, you know, water to bathe in or whatever it is. There's got to be a better solution to this. There ought to be FEMA supporters to bring in water, like mass water. What what if the store runs out of water? It's not like we don't have supply chain issues because we're living in the equivalent of a third world country right now because of Biden and his crime family. Yeah, we're going to talk about Jim Biden, too, doing a $140 million deal with Saudi Arabia. We got that. But this is getting really scary that we don't have infrastructure that could support this. And they thank the omnibus bill, the, the big spending bill, uh, because there's f- funds available, COVID relief funds. They're going to misappropriate those and maybe put those to good use in East Palestine. Who knows? But it's not the way a government should be run. This is not the way it should be run. You know, <clears throat> another story in New Jersey in New Jersey, dead humpback whale washes up on New Jersey Beach, ninth stranding along New York, New Jersey coast in two months. What's going on? A 35-foot humpback whale washed up on a beach in Jersey Shore. So this is sort of 
not unprecedented, but unusual to say the least. Of the nine whales on the shores of New York and New Jersey in the past two months, six of those those humpback whales died in New Jersey. The whale strandings in New Jersey prompted a dozen mayors in the state to pen a letter to federal and state officials earlier this month urging them to enact an immediate moratorium on offshore wind development following the string of whale deaths. While the uptick in dead whales has sparked a fiery debate among lawmakers and environmental groups over whether offshore wind development is to blame, NOAA officials have said that no whale death has been attributed to offshore wind activities yet. So, you know, again, politics enters the equation, right? And we mentioned the spending bill. So inflation is up. It's going in the wrong direction. And we have to deal with that now. And there's another story I wanted to cover. Yesterday I played a DeMar Hamlin clip um, because Strahan was interviewing him and he wouldn't answer the question as to what the doctors said. And uh, the doctors asked, you know, he asked the question, what did the doctors tell you this could be? What did the doctors think it could be? And he said, I can't answer that question. I thought, huh, that's weird. Maybe it was Coke. Maybe it was performance enhancement drugs. Maybe it was the clot shot. And maybe he's getting paid $10 million to his nonprofit from donations and maybe from Pfizer to shut up. Who knows? But it does say this. It says, Strahan to Hamlin, how did doctors describe what happened to you? Hamlin, uh, that's something I want to stay away from. We were told exactly what happened to DeMar nonstop on national TV for, for weeks. And now he doesn't even want to talk about it. His nonprofit got paid roughly $10 million. And has he paid... Has he been paid more on top of that by Pfizer to shut his mouth? Listen to this question. The question is, this is another one that I, I, I um, experienced or I, I learned about after the show yesterday. And so I want to play it for you. It's, what were you feeling? What did you, were you able to think and were you cognitively aware when you stood up? When he got tackled, or he was tackling, and when he went to the ground, he got up, then he collapsed. Tell me what you're thinking when you got up, before you collapsed. Have the hit. You make the tackle. Do you remember standing up after you make that tackle? Um... That's something I don't really want to get into deep into in the details of. After Hamlin was discharged from the ICU, the question on so many minds, what caused his heart to stop beating? You're 24. Peak physical condition. Can run circles around me right now. (laughs) (laughs) How did doctors describe what happened to you? Um, 
That's something I want to stay away from. <laughs> so why is he even agreed to do the interview if he can't answer any of the questions? What was he thinking? Like, is that odd to you or what? He gets $10 million to his charity or his nonprofit, which is just a slush fund for him to spend. And who knows whether Pfizer's paying him off to keep his mouth shut. Or was he doing drugs or, you know, what, what, what's going on here? I just think that the behavior is odd, right? Don't you? I think it's, I think it's very odd. So we also wanted to, t- we're going to talk about climate. Uh, we're going to have, we have little bits and pieces about climate, climate, COVID, and, and the whole ball of wax. We got, they're short clips though. These are kind of short. So let's take a look at this this one. This is uh, one of my favorite thinkers, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy. Uh, here's the dirty little secret about the new climate religion. It has nothing to do with the climate. I can prove that to you. And here it is. Let's just talk about the broader issue of the climate religion. Here's the thing. Really wake up to this. It has nothing to do with the climate. Okay, if it did... The people who are calling for the U.S. to stop production here should be really concerned if PetroChina is picking up those projects because, you know what, methane leakage, which even if you subscribe to this religion, is 80 times worse for global warming than is even a unit of carbon dioxide. They don't talk about that. They just talk about carbon emissions. Methane leakage is worse in China than it is here. So if you really cared about supposedly even the core tenet of your religion, your god, the climate— you would have cared about shifting that production to places like China because the projects are still proceeding, but they don't. So that's clue number one. Here's clue number two. If you really cared that much about so-called carbon emissions, you would be a proponent of nuclear energy. And yet this ESG movement, Vanguard's ESG funds, for example, exclude nuclear energy companies from their ESG funds. The ESG movement is hostile to nuclear energy. What's going on there? That's the second clue, okay? The problem with nuclear energy for this movement is not that it is too bad, but that it might be too good at solving their own, in my opinion, mostly made up problem. And so what does that tell you? The E in the ESG is really just a Trojan horse for the S, the social prong. The environmental prong is really just a Trojan horse, a vehicle, a vector for the social prong. Well, what this is about is global equity. It is about making the West and America in particular repay its sins of the past for having achieved greatness and its exceptionalist status and its success. Because what is this about? If They would have loved nuclear energy, but the problem with nuclear energy is that might just allow a nations like America to continue to power themselves independently into the future. No, no, no. That's not what this agenda is about. This agenda is about shackling the West, shackling America in particular, so that the rest of the world can so-called catch up. And you know who's using that to advance their objective? You guessed it, none other than the CCP, who's laughing at us and the Baitsuo, the, the, in their language, the, the useful idiot left in the United States to laugh their way to the top because in these so-called climate negotiations, they still, this is staggering, they still claim developing nation status. So it's equity, Equity versus equality. So when you hear these politicians talking about equity versus equality, it's sort of like if you've ever gone golfing, uh, there's the women's tees, there's the uh, amateur tees, and then there's the pro tees. And each one goes further back. And that's the sort of the compensation for uh, scoring. 
you know, yeah, if you're if you're a better golfer, you have to shoot. Uh, you have to start off further back. Um, and you know, you can go with all kinds of quota based systems as well. And and the Biden administration is all about that. Just look at uh, Katanji Brown Jackson or Jackson Brown. Uh, it's Brown Jackson. Um, but just look at that as Supreme Court justice on the bench because of uh, gender and skin color. I mean, that's I'm not saying that's why she got the job. I'm saying, well, I am saying that, but I'm not saying I'm not taking anything away from her because she could be as great as all the rest of the justices. I have no idea. But what it is, is they clearly stated there were going to be no men, certainly no white men. And uh, anytime you look at equity based on skin color and gender, it's it's a recipe for failure. It's also discrimination, and it's not what our country was founded on. You know, obviously, it's it's all those things. It's it's wrong in every sense of the word. And here we are, you know, equity. They basically want to kick us down a notch. America, America as a whole. So those people from the great generation ought to feel really sad right now that all that they accomplished, all the great things that they've done, the victories of World War One and World War Two, and Korea, and all the industrial progress the, the, from the Model T to the Wright Brothers airplanes to, you know, all these different, uh, to the advent of the computer, right? I mean, all of these things were innovations in America. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to redistribute the wealth. Do you remember when Barack Hussein Obama wanted to redistribute his wealth and spread it around a little bit? Do you remember when he wanted to do that? Think about that for a second. It's it's um it's odd. It's it's interesting. And you know, he's taking it on steroids. It's not just a little bit of redistribution of wealth. It's not just a little bit of social welfare. It's the whole enchilada. It's open borders allowing the world's poor to come in and siphon off the the you know, and basically somebody's gonna have to give and uh, to get. And and here's the sad part, okay, of the whole thing. When you think about the equation that we're talking about, the sad part of it is the rich are going to get rich off of this because they're going to find a way to exploit their business to actually allow these open border people to come in as consumers. Because those open border people that are coming through these illegal migrants or immigrants, aliens, are going to be competing for the lower end spectrum of jobs and they're going to be working at affordable uh, salaries which are going to basically push salaries down and they're going to empower the employers to basically make a profit off of sweat labor by not paying higher salaries, but by, by paying less salary. And they're getting that cheap labor through the open border. 
But that cheap labor is taken up and gobbling up all the jobs, and it's impacting negatively the middle class, which is just one step up from that. But as these, uh, th- this foundation of sweat labor rises up, it's going to create pressure on the job market. And, and it's going to make it very difficult for a person looking for a job to actually demand their worth. Uh, so, yeah, the rich are going to benefit from this, this, this world order. But the um, poor are not. They're going to be slaves. And the middle class is going to get crushed in the process. And that's, that's why we complain about it so much. So we got this um, other COVID story that I want to get to. And this is um, Robert Kennedy Jr. And he claims that the COVID mRNA vaccine is actually a project of the Pentagon and military, according to Robert Kennedy. So Pfizer and Moderna don't really own these vaccines, those vaccines. They slap their labels on them, but... it was the Pentagon. It was a Pentagon project. That's why you can't sue them, I guess. There were 138 companies that may that were involved in manufacturing and distributing the vaccine. They're all military contractors. The Pentagon and the National Security Agency ran the entire pandemic response. Pfizer and Moderna don't really own those vaccines. You know, they slapped their their labels on them, but it they, it was a Pentagon project. Pentagon Project. So it was a bioweapon, folks. It was a bioweapon. Speaking of bioweapons, Mark Milley. I call him Mark Baghdad, Baghdad, <laughs> Mark Baghdad Bob Milley should stick to human studies on white privilege rather than spread lies. He is a mere puppet to, the Na- to his NATO bosses and will say and do anything they tell him. We are all losing at the hands of globalists and their NATO aggressors. Russia has lost. They've lost strategically, operationally, and tactically. And they are paying an enormous price on the battlefield. But until Putin ends his war of choice, the international community will continue to support Ukraine with the equipment and capabilities it needs to defend itself. Through this group, We are collectively supporting Ukraine's ability to defend its territory, protect its citizens, and liberate their occupied areas. He might as well have just said, we're going to continue to launder money through Ukraine until Putin steps down, and Putin's never going to step down. And this this is just going to be a continuous, perpetual military-industrial complex win and uh, a laundering project. That's all it is. But this is a guy that can't even shoot down a balloon, and yet he's sitting there acting all tough with all these medals that who knows how he got them. But he's a joke, and he's a loser. And uh, it's a shame that we have a, a country that's this corrupt, that we have even our military generals getting in bed with politics. So, um, you know... Uh, <clears throat> The other headline uh, says, Australian mom denied heart transplant due to her COVID-19 vaccination status. So they're still doing this. This is a new story, by the way. 
It's a new story. And um, they're still creating this this push to get people vaccinated and to get people on that list because they want to roll out digital currency so bad, but they need a system in place and they need people to sign up for the system. And somehow they need to make a requirement. They need to create a problem to create a requirement. Like if they want more regulation in crypto, they're going to, you know, basically rig FTX and use a guy like Sam Bankman-Fried to get more regulation in crypto. That way they can control CBDCs and digital currencies. You know, it's, it's always create a crisis and then never let it go to waste. And speaking of East Palestine, do you know that yesterday in, uh, I think it was Arizona, uh, they had another trucking spill in Arizona. Collision and hazardous materials spill all over Interstate 10 in Tucson. And it's this orange stuff that was coming out. And, you know, that's, that's kind of scary as well. Because you got to wonder what Pete Buttigieg is doing with our Department of Transportation. Trucks are falling over with poisonous gases and, and poisons. And, and then what you have is you have um, uh, other stuff, you know, that's happening. Um, you know, with uh, the train derailments. And all the while, you know, nuclear would be safer. Pipelines would be safer, but no, they they shut the pipelines down and they continue to use these modes of transportation that are less safe than, say, a pipeline. You know, but that's because Warren Buffett demands it. And by the way, they lobbied for uh, against this brake condition, these brakes on these trains. Guess who owns the train, the Norfolk Southern? Guess who the t- top two investors are for Norfolk Southern? Vanguard and BlackRock. So they they have lobbyists that do this type of thing, and right there at the at at the beginning of the lobbyists is a guy like Jim Biden admitted uh, that he was hired by to negotiate with Saudi Arabia, uh, Saudis over a secret one hundred forty million dollar deal because of his position and relationship to his vice president brother Joe who would be instrumental to the deal bombshell affidavit claims. Now, this isn't an affidavit. This is under sworn testimony. Affidavit David's claim, Joe's younger brother, Jim, was at the center of a $140 million settlement between a U.S. construction company and Saudi Arabia in 2012. Biden was selected because Saudi Arabia would not dare stiff the brother of the vice president who would be instrumental to the deal. And Jim, brother Jim, allegedly said, of course the Biden name didn't hurt. As wife Sarah said that Joe and his brother told each other everything. Huh. So President Biden's brother was hired to engage in secret negotiations with the Saudi government on behalf of a U.S. construction company because of his relationship with the then vice president legal documents claim Jim Biden's uh, was selected selected because Saudi Arabia would not dare stiff the brother of the vice president who would be instrumental to the deal. So it's basically using your 
tax dollars to to coerce just like they did with Victor Shokin and Ukraine. They're doing it with the Saudi Saudis. It's a it's a blueprint, it's a formula. It's easy easy to do. But where did they get the power from? They got the power from the people who elected them. And they get the power from the mighty might of the United States. It's sort of like socialism could never flourish on its own. Socialism always follows successful capitalism. And they always use equity and fairness as their trade selling point. But they could never afford to finance their socialism if it wasn't for the profits and windfalls of capitalism. See, that's the problem. So according to the documents, Jim told a former senior U.S. Treasury official working as a private investigator that he was hired to negotiate with the Saudis because of his position and relationship to VP Joe Biden, who led delegations to Saudi Arabia at the time. Remember, Joe Biden bragged about withholding a billion dollars until they fired the uh, prosecutor. (laughs) Well, that's exactly what he's doing here. You want the deal, don't you? You want the deal with our government? Well, then you're going to give me a kickback to my family. You're going to make this deal happen first. Then we'll give you this deal. So there, there's written sworn affidavits here. A February 2011 contract obtained by Daily Mail shows Hill International hired three law firms, R.L. Walker and Company, Lankford and Reed, and Poblete Tamargo to help rake back $140 million from the Saudis. Why don't we first start with an IRS audit? Of all these monies. Why are we not knowing the path of this money? Why are we not seeing this? In an affidavit, well, this is Jim Biden admitting it too, by the way. In an affidavit, the former Treasury official Thomas Sullivan described his sit down interview with Jim Biden about being hired to negotiate with the Saudis. Sullivan claimed the president's brother told him, of course, the Biden name didn't hurt. So Biden stated that he was often sent to meetings to represent Hill because, of course, the name didn't hurt. And he was the former vice president's brother. Okay, I asked specifically if he had attended a meeting with the Saudi Ministry of Trade in mid-February 2012 to receive the final payment for the work Hill had performed. He answered that to the best of his memory, he had been at such a meeting and that the reason he had attended was because of his position and relationship with his brother. So in a May 2022 affidavit, Langford and Reed partner V. Thomas Langford described the deal. So this was just recently described by um, Victor Thomas here. For years, their negotiations were part of the special claims process, a U.S. government program to settle the kingdom's unpaid debts to American firms. But Lankford and Reed, which I never knew anything about that. But Lankford and Reed claims Hill also hired Jim around 2011 
to fix a backdoor settlement for $100 million and failed to pay the lawyers their 40% cut after years of working on the case. So we really need to get to the bottom of this. Oh, here. In May of 2022, affidavit Langford Reed partner V. Thomas Langford uh, described the alleged double cross. After many delays, a meeting was finally scheduled for mid-February 2012 in Riyadh. The professional firms were excluded from this meeting. Hill, acting through its CEO, Irvin Richter, sent Jim Biden and then-sitting vice president's brother. Richter confided that he selected Biden because KSA, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, would not dare stiff the brother of the vice president who would be instrumental to the deal. So it was basically leverage. It was a safety net. If you stiff me, you're not going to get this bigger deal. So there's all these documents in this Daily Mail uh, report. So Thomas Sullivan, a former director uh, in the enforcement division at the Treasury Department, interviewed Jim at his home in Marion Station, Pennsylvania, on July 16, 2017, according to Sullivan's affidavit. Wow. They're in, they're into, they're in, with, in bed with China. They're in bed with Ukraine. They're in bed with Saudi Arabia. They're in bed with a whole bunch of deals in the Middle East. Uh, Lindsey Graham is part of a lot of these deals. And this is, this is what's going on. Lindsey Graham is carrying the water for these deals. And they're in bed together. My goodness. Wow, that's quite a story. I, I had read every last detail of that story. I knew I was going to cover it today, but wow, that's a, that's a lot. So Benny Johnson writes this. He says, important reminder that the CDC, NIH, Dr. Fauci, and every vaccine mandate tyrant who screamed at you to wear a mask so we can stay safe are totally silent as children breathe in this black death the Karens never cared about your safety. They only cared about power. Evil frauds is what he calls them. So I guess our guest, um, I was just sort of um, telling those stories to, you know, buy a little time because uh, our guest didn't call in for one reason or another. It could be a problem with our phone system again, but uh, I thought I tested it. I thought it was working. But uh, in any case... We might be able to get them on another time. All right. So um, I uh, get a lot of um, requests for guests all the time. Like I get get uh, requests almost daily, uh, multiple times a day. And, uh, you know, with the format of this show, we really don't do guests uh, because we're just talking about these issues. Um, but every once in a while, I, I'll take a guest on. Um All right, so I wanted to get to the inflationary impact of things. And that is this. So inflation is up to 6.4%, I think it is. 6.4, 6.8, there's going to be some sales numbers that are going to come out today. And um, I'm going to first play that clip, uh, the one from today. So this is the squawk box. This is something that just came out this morning. Let's take a listen. 
Sales for January are due out just a little later this morning. That report will give investors a clearer read on how the consumer is faring. Plenty of companies this earnings season have cited weaker consumer demand, but many have also called the consumer resilient. We've got companies like McDonald's, Mondelez, and Ralph Lauren who have indicated that. Joining us right now with a look at the state of the consumer and his best take on the best positioned retailers right now is Jan Niffen. He's the CEO of J. Rogers Niffen WWE. Jan, how is the consumer faring? What do you think we'll hear with this retail sales number today? Well, first of all, it's January, so you know it's not a very it's the smallest month of the year. It doesn't mean a lot when you see the number. However, how's the consumer faring? The consumer's faring surprisingly well, given the fact that we still saw high inflation on the CPI, and we saw really high inflation on the food side of the CPI, which, of course, sucks up a lot of that otherwise what would be discretionary spending. But everybody's got a job, and we saw that in the last report. There's nothing to change that as far as I can see. The consumer's still getting a raise in those jobs, and people who change jobs are getting still fairly large raises. So the consumer's pretty healthy, and they're still spending. We've seen that, and I think we'll see that later today. But something's going on out there, right? The luxury consumer is doing well. The low-end consumer is not doing so well because that double-digit food inflation is a real problem for them. We were just talking about LVMH and this new move with Pharrell coming in uh, to design things. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about luxury overall right now? I'm a big fan of luxury, and I've always been a fan of LVMH, and they're always too expensive, but you always should buy them. And, you know, I've always been a fan of pairing as well, and, and they're both, that's Gucci, and they're both doing well. And I was surprised at the announcement, but once I thought about it, I was like, hey, this guy is a fashion icon. He can do this job, and I, too, agree that this is a 100% job for him. This is a real job. He's going to go out and design. Well, whatever. Um, there. Um, so... The reason why I played that clip was really the luxury part. So uh, I, I saw this report today that blew my mind. Eggs are more expensive than beef per pound. So the cost of beef per pound is cheaper than it does in eggs. <laughs> that is seriously crazy because uh, eggs are a big part of the American diet and actually very important for your health. Um Eggs are great, uh, great. Pro- uh, oops, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> found my, my Apple Watch just uh, kicked off. Um, let's take a listen to this one. This is uh, the one uh, right here. This is about inflation. All right, here we go. Headline, year over year number, hotter than expected, guys, 6.4%. Headline inflation is going the other direction. We're going up again. Remember, we've been going down for six months. Now we're going up 6.4%. Headline. 6.4% inflation. That's the, the CPI that came out yesterday. And that's quite scary. Yet, here's here's uh, the commander-in-chief uh, from the Biden crime family, Joe Biden. Today, before our inflation shows, the good news is that inflation in America is continuing to come down. It's fallen seven straight months. More to go. Food prices and grocery store are coming down. By the way, he said that yesterday. Gas prices are down at $1.60 to the peak. Real wages for working Americans are up over the last several months. Delivering welcome greeting from Melissa, my dad, who said, 
all looking for joy is a little breathing room down to the month. It's a little breathing room. The American dream is not the little, uh, just a little breathing room. Joe? I have a little bit left over after paying all my bills. That, that's what he sees. That's, what, that's how he sees you. You got a little breathing room, just a little bit left over, so you can, you know, put your couple quarters in the piggy bank. I mean, while he and his brother get hundreds of millions of dollars, he has the nerve to talk to you like that. Think about it. Gasoline, gas, gasoline prices up again. They had fallen in December. By the way, this is CNN. <laughs> gasoline prices up again. They had fallen in December. They were up in January. Um, you can see that food prices are up double digits over the past year. Every family feels that. And shelter was the big driver of these numbers inside the numbers. Look, if you go to the grocery store in your sharp shopping cart, you are feeling inflation every day. Uh, hot dogs. I call them hot dogs. Government calls them frankfurters. Up 11% over the past year. Eggs up 70%. Now, wholesale egg prices have fallen in the past week and a half. So I'm hoping this is rear view mirror. Lettuce. A head of lettuce up 17% over the past year. Coffee up 13%. And butter. I mean, these little ticks of, sticks of butter in front of me here are like gold at the moment. You know, up almost 30% over the past year. So... Some of the things are are just intract, just feeling intractable here in family budgets. People trying to figure out how to shift around and buy other things. But shelter, it's hard to switch shelter every month, right? Gasoline prices up again. They had fallen in December. They were up in January. Um, you can see that food prices are up double digits over the past year. Every family feels that. And shelter was the big driver of these numbers inside the numbers. Look, if you go to the grocery store in your sharp shopping cart, you are feeling inflation every day. Uh, hot dogs. I- All right. So, you know, the thing about uh, what we're seeing, it's it's not that there's inflation. It's it's the sectors that are getting hit the worst. Eggs and butter. I mean, that's how people cook. They cook with eggs and butter. Um, and and so. The the real problem is the type of inflation that we're seeing is very reminiscent of something you would see in a third world country like Venezuela. So you're seeing inflation that's impacting the middle class more than any other class. It's almost like it's engineered inflation. It's an attack on the middle class. The same people that were victimized by COVID the same people that are being victimized by ESG scores and climate, right? The middle class, the worker. Because we know that the people in East Palestine and the middle class workers all support Donald Trump. So it seems like your government is going against you, hurting you. And, And then you see these... The other aspects of it, two standards of of justice, equity over equality, you know, open borders. Every single thing that Americans don't want seems to be happening. And it's not just here in America. It's around the world. It's that's the other uh, part of it is we're seeing the same blueprint in other countries. People in France are protesting against this type of thing.
People in Scotland right now, the, uh, there's a new story out. Uh, the Scottish um, prime minister is resigning today. And the result of that is because she was pushing transgender in women's bathrooms, in schools. And she was doing a whole bunch of woke stuff. And again, these people are willing to give up their careers for this. You wonder what is so, why are you so determined to help some trans freak out? What, what is your motivation for that? They're going, there are people that are going out of their way as men to dress up like women and look like sex workers. And somehow they're being cherished as like special. And I, I remember reading this one meme I'll never forget. It's like, look, you could put the tutu on all you want, but just don't put the tutu on and read a story to my children in their school. You know, I mean, you could be a sex worker all you want, and that's okay in America. You could you could do that if you want. Nobody's saying you can't. Just don't then put on your um, purple hair and act like you could be a teacher to my children. There's a difference. We never in our country have we ever had uh, thought it was a good idea to have strippers from a gentleman's club also advocate, you know, teach your children morals and values. I, I mean, common sense, right? It's it's all common sense. So I want to play this. This was pretty good. This was good low. Biden's message was just awful. A disaster. I mean, really bad. The guy's a complete... Con- now, he's, he's talking about the um, State of the Union. So... This uh, report, though, was posted yesterday. So I don't know how dated this particular news segment is. But I will say this. uh, What he covers here is actually quite to the point. So, um, again, uh, let's just take a listen. Biden's message was just awful. A disaster. I mean, really bad. The guy's a complete control freak. Basically, if you go through that speech, he's something to say about virtually every corner of American life. Hat tip to Dan Henninger for his great column in The Wall Street Journal, Joe Biden is Bernie Sanders. Hat tip to Liz Peake for her column that everything Biden proposed would cause higher inflation. Now, here's somebody who got the story completely right. Please take a listen. I'm for freedom. He's for government control. In the radical left's America, Washington taxes you and lights your hard-earned money on fire. But you get crushed with high gas prices, empty grocery shelves, and our children are taught to hate one another on account of their race, but not to love one another or our great country. Whether Joe Biden believes this madness or is simply too weak to resist it, his administration has been completely hijacked by the radical left. The dividing line in America is no longer between right or left. The choice is between normal or crazy. Yeah, there you have it, normal or crazy. Sarah's right. I myself wrote about Biden's big government socialism and his regulatory assault on drug companies and tech companies and banks. He'd ban resort fees, cap concert tickets, 
tell people where they should sit on airplanes, and even dictate airline baggage costs. Give the teachers' union another pay hike, restore the full child tax credit with no work requirements, basically scratching every radical left-wing itch in the Democratic Party. But my work was way too modest. Dan Henniger reminds us that Biden had plans for women, election reform, marriage, gas prices, lead in pipes, cancer, insulin, Medicaid, 500,000 electric vehicle charging stations, housing, of course, student debt. And I was terribly remiss in not mentioning Biden's regulations on lumber, glass, drywall, fiber optic cables, all used in federal construction. But then again, Biden loves electric vehicles. He just hates the mining necessary to produce mineral resources like copper, nickel, and lithium. In a gift to China, his Interior Department just banned mining up in the Iron Range in Minnesota next to Lake Superior. He's damaged our energy and national security by depleting Strategic Petroleum Reserve, all for political control of gas prices. And in fact, there he goes again. Today, Mr. Biden announced another 26 million barrel sell-off. And did I just read that the Bidens are now permitting Medicaid to purchase groceries? There's a massive expansion of the welfare state. Of course, no work requirements ever. And he'd love to see the child tax credit permanently raised from $2,000 to $3,600. That would cost $1.6 trillion. Also, with no work requirements, also a job killer. In fact, every single one of these welfare command and control proposals are job killers and prosperity killers. And they will promote higher inflation because of the stifling of the supply side of the economy. And speaking of prosperity killers, Mr. Biden wants to raise taxes on successful earners, a.k.a. rich people. It's called a billionaire's tax, but it would hit anybody's net wealth exceeding $100 million with a 20% marginal tax rate on all manner of income, including stuff that's not income, that is, unrealized capital gains. Even if there's no sale or no transaction, 20%. Now, I don't know how this calculation would be made, and actually it's probably unconstitutional, and even Europe abandoned the silliness of wealth taxes. But just in round numbers, it could raise the top personal tax rate on income to over 60% at the federal level. And then he wants to quadruple the stock buyback tax, which, if enacted, would reduce the rate of return to well over 100 million retirement investors who own stocks indirectly through IRAs and 401ks and various state pension funds like CalPERS, for example. So go get him, Joe. That's another prosperity killer. In fact, let me wrap with this. Joe Biden's economic vision is an unlimited welfare state coupled with rising taxes on business and free enterprise. That's all it is. It's a recipe for economic stagnation and very high inflation. It's an undisguised agenda of big government socialism. Joe Biden is Bernie Sanders and then some. Well, here it is. Okay, so the sales numbers came out 3%. uh, so, I mean, this uh, number was quite good. Uh, retail sales jumped 3% in January, smashing expectations. Let's take a listen. Let's go to January retail sales. Probably the other side of the equation to yesterday's inflation date, expecting a headline number up 2%. 
And surprisingly, it's better. It's up 3%. And this is a pretty good number considering four out of the last six months have had negative signs in front of them. Uh, Up 3% is the strongest number that we've had since October, which was the last time we had a positive number, which was 1.1. If you strip out autos, and by the way, autos... All right, so it gets into the weeds there, but 3% uh, retail sales is up 3%. So here's what's going on here. Before the election, there was this big spending bill, stimulus spending, and the Fed is trying to raise rates in order to slow down the economy um, because of inflation, right? They're trying to drive down inflation by driving down demand uh, by increasing prices. And what has happened is Joe Biden skirts around that by getting a spending bill Raising the national debt, we're playing like a ridiculous amount on interest. As the interest rates go up, uh, we're going to be paying more in interest. So this is a recipe for the disaster. But the economic impact of these bad decisions that Biden is making are not going to be felt today. They're going to be felt six months from now, a year from now, and even two years from now. Because... As we start to accumulate debt, a national debt, and pay a higher interest on that debt, uh, more money, more of our money is going to be going to pay debt than infrastructure. All right, that's one. Two, um, you're going to need more inflation in order to slow down government stimulus spending, injecting cash into the uh, economy. And so it's only a matter of time before, you know, we stop living off of the printed paper and start really producing in America. Uh, the labor participation rate is still low. It's still lower than it was under Trump pre-pandemic, the labor participation rate and the GDP. So we are nowhere near back, but the money in the economy that's driving sales which is the number that came out today, is even despite inflation, is going, it went up this, this, this month. But it's only a matter of time before people run out of debt on their credit cards and it goes down. In any case, that brings us to the end of the show. Please uh, visit magapac.org, magapac.org, to find out how we're advancing America First policies to make America great again. Also use Red State over at MyPillow.com. And with that, we'll see you next time on the radio. Just to bury my kids right up to there.